Over the last uh, few weeks, we've, um, well, from the beginning of the year, James began to, to share some of the vision of, of where the things that are shaping our church in this season are things that are moving forward. Uh, and one of the, the, the big things that we'll be focusing on is, is discipleship, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what that looks like and how that shapes us. And there was the, the quote from Peter uh, Cazero, uh, which went like this, an emotionally healthy disciple slows down to be with Jesus. Jesus goes beneath the surface of their life to be deeply transformed by Jesus and offers their life as a gift to the world for Jesus. And so that's going to be something that shapes us as we continue going through this year. Um, but really, over these last few weeks, not particularly deliberately, but it is kind of how it's been shaped. As, as I've been speaking, and we've obviously had Easter and things, different things woven in, but really there were some thoughts from um, that quote about what it means to be discipleship, be, be a disciple that have kind of worked through some of those things that I've been saying. A few weeks back, we looked at Mark 10, the story of blind Bartimaeus, and really focused on the fact that Jesus stopped And that we all need to follow Jesus' example of making sure in those moments we don't rush on, but we stop and we we give Jesus our time. And then just before Easter, we looked at John chapter 12, the the, the anointing of Jesus by Mary of Bethany. And how Mary's uh, actions speak of her adoration for Jesus. How they they speak of his worth and his value in her eyes. That regardless of the value of the, the sacrifice, the offering, that Jesus is worth more. And it's Jesus that she holds on to. And we give to Jesus our worship, our adoration. But there's something else that um, I, I, we'll be talking about this morning. Something that perhaps we also need to slow down and think about in our walk with Jesus. Something else that might need to be deeply transformed by him. And what I want to talk about this morning is, it's about our giving. It's about what we've just done, tithes and offerings. And I want us to, to, to actually look at that and talk about how that is and how we bring to Jesus our finances. Now, we are a multicultural church and um, uh, represented by many nationalities. And, and for some of you, talking about money in your culture is quite a normal and easy thing to do. You might talk about your salaries and all sorts of other things. In our British culture, we're less comfortable talking about money and sharing about what our salaries are. It's always a little bit more awkward. And for some of you this morning, perhaps even whatever your culture, whatever your background, your response to me saying that we're going to be talking about money is you kind of think, right, I'm going to need to immediately lock my wallet away. I need to think about I'm going to make sure my phone's not, I'm not going to have my phone out with my banking app or anything. They're after my money again, I'm not interested, I've already switched off. But can I really ask you just to pause any judgment you've got there? And make sure we hear, this isn't about me speaking. This is not about City Church and our, uh, our ethos and what we value. It's about actually how God values you and about how you value God. I want you to hear from God through his spirit this morning. 
There's an article in Our Daily Bread a few years ago, and it says this, how we handle money reveals much about the depth of our commitment to Christ. That's why Jesus often talked about money. One-sixth of the Gospels, including one out of every three parables, touches on stewardship, how we handle our belongings. Jesus wasn't a fundraiser, but he did deal with money matters because money matters. For some of us, though, it matters too much. So my prayer really is that actually we come with this with an open mind and that we say, what is it about giving and tithing? What is it about money? What areas in my life about money need to be perhaps uh, brought before God in a way which is submitted to him? Now, there are so many aspects of this that we could look at in terms of how you deal with your personal finances and, uh, and uh, good management and, and debt and all sorts of things. Um, but we're not going to be going into a wide range of those things this morning. That could be a whole series on kind of finances and how we manage our finances in a godly way. But I did feel that it was right just to bring this idea of talking about tithes and offerings, what it is that we bring into uh, the house of God. And I pray through this, that actually, certainly as we get to the end, this is not about us saying we want your money. This is about us looking afresh about how we relate to money in our relationship with God. So this morning, we're going to be looking at three questions. And I'm going to be starting by looking at tithing particularly, but why, what is tithing? And then why should we be giving? And then also how should we be giving? So the why, the what, or sorry, the what, the why, and the how of our finances this morning and bringing things into church. So first of all, what is tithing? Often we stand, myself, James, or anybody else will stand here and we'll say and announce the offering and say it's time to bring our tithes and offerings. So what is a tithe and an offering? Well, tithing particularly. Tithing is something that is an Old Testament, uh, a part of the Old Testament. Back right even before the law was given, uh, it was something that was part of, uh, we can see it threaded through the Bible. But a tithe essentially is just a, a tenth, a 10%. So you bring 10% of, uh, of what you have, what you've earned, what you own, what, you, uh, what you've perhaps harvested. And it's that tenth that you bring in. Tithing is, as I say, an Old Testament concept. Right from early days, Abraham gave a tenth of all he had to the priest uh, Melchizedek. Uh, this was even before the, 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 the Mosaic law. But then God gave the, the, the law to Moses and he included in that commands to give uh, a tenth for tabernacle worship. There's a principle that we see threaded through the Old Testament It's mentioned 18 times in the law. People were to share their produce, the livestock, and it was done to support the Levites, who were the tribe of Israel, who were there to serve in the temple. As part of the inheritance, uh, 11 tribes were given a a, a parcel of land that they were to have um, right through um, the history of Israel. But the Levites, instead of giving land, were asked to serve in the temple. And their inheritance was to receive a tenth of the the, the rest of the produce of the land. It was there to serve, it was there to be used as an offering to um, provide for those who served full time in the church of God. God expected the Israelites to honour him with this, to bring their first fruits. It wasn't just the kind of whatever was left. It was the first fruits of what they harvested. It was the first fruits of what they earned. And it was a commanded, which meant it was an obligation. It was something that they had to do. 
And you might have heard many sermons or, or some sermons on tithing. And, and it obviously, it's often the basis of where we start with talking about money and bringing money into the church. And so you may have heard many of these things used. And there's one particular passage in Malachi chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, which, which is often used to, uh, to, to reinforce this idea of bringing our tithes into church. It says this, and it's God speaking to the people of Israel. Much later on, they weren't particularly doing very well. And he says this to them, you are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take take it in. Try me, put me to the test. And it's a fantastic passage. And and we read about bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring the whole tenth into the temple of the Lord, into the the place that it's intended to be stored and then used from in order to bless the Levites. And then you have this promise attached to it where God says, look, just try me in this. Just test me. And you will be blessed in an abundant and overflowing world. You won't won't have enough room to store the blessing I'm going to pour out on you. And it's such a fantastic, fantastic promise and blessing. And yet it's an Old Testament promise and an Old Testament covenant. We are New Testament people. So how does that fit? Because really the Old Testament tithe is something that was, that was really obligated on the people of Israel. It was a tithe, it was an obligation of the law. And yet when Jesus came and died, and when Jesus came, he fulfilled all the requirements of the law. And we are no longer under the requirements of the Old Testament law. So tithing is something that I don't actually have to do. Fantastic. <laughs> Graham's at the front here looking not very pleased at all. (laughs) Tithing is not something I actually have to do. But however, there is something about the principle of giving that has not stopped, that has not changed. And there are some here that will absolutely hold on to the principle of tithing. And and, and I'm not absolutely not speaking against tithing this morning. But I want to stretch our understanding. You know, in the, in the tithes, there were various laws for tithing. Uh, and if you ask somebody who's tithing, this might also be a challenge to you because actually there potentially were two 10% tithes plus another, t- another offering for the poor. And actually, if you add it all up, 23, 23.3% would be the Old Testament obligations on the people. Now, Graham would absolutely be delighted if we all began to offer 23.3% of our, of, our, of our earnings into the offering. That would be fantastic. But if we're not tithing, really, then what is the principle? What is it that we should be looking at? Before I move on to then the, the, the why and the how, I really want us to understand. For those of you who do tithe, I know it's because it's actually an act of, uh, of understanding God's law. And I'm not speaking against that. There is nothing wrong with bringing the tithe. Yes, it is an Old Testament uh, covenant, but you're not sinning by saying, God, here's my 10%. And for some of you, that is even to give 10% is a challenge. And God bless you for what you are bringing. For some, actually, even beginning to give a tithe will be an increase. So tithing is good because it sets a standard for us to give. And tithing is also good because it helps consistency and discipline in giving. 
And if we're talking about discipleship, it's some of those steady things that we do, some of those habits that we put into place. And for some of you, it's, the, it's that the offering basket comes round and suddenly think, oh, what have I got in my pockets? What can I bring today? And our giving is inconsistent. But actually, by tithing, by choosing to say, I'm going to give this amount, it actually sets a, a pattern in place. And we're going to uh, unpack that a little bit more as we go through. So if we're not giving a tenth, if if tenth is Old Testament law, what is it that we should be doing? It's not just about what should we be doing, it's about why should we give. But it's because essentially what shapes our giving is going to be why. You know, why do you buy Christmas presents for people? Because you love them, because you want to give them something that blesses them, because you want them to be pleased with you. Why? do I give to God? Why do I give to God? Because he has done so much for me. He has given me everything. Now, sometimes you may look and say, well, God, I give you my worship on a Sunday, or God, I give you some time every day each week. Is that not enough? I don't believe so. While we're not tied to the Old Testament principles, we need to think about actually what is my attitude to what I can give to God? Matthew six twenty one: where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But we can, should be able to flip that. If my heart is in God, that should be where my treasure is going to. If my heart is in God, that should be where my treasure is going to. I want to offer you a few motivating factors for your giving this morning. As I've just said, firstly, the first motivating factor is because God has given to me. God has given to me. We could pick out so many uh, of the things that God has given to us. James 1.17 talks about the fact that God has given us everything. He gave us his son to provide for our salvation, our eternal destiny. Ephesians 1.3 talks about he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 1 Timothy 6.17 talks about the fact that he richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. God gives us everything. We have to understand that actually the money that we hold isn't even our money. It's God's money. It's not really about how much of my money should I give to God, but how much of God's money should I keep for myself. God has given me Everything, everything that I have, he has given me and he has given it to us abundantly. He's not a miserly giver. He is a rich, abundant giver, generous with everything that he gives to us. God has given to me. And then secondly, the motivating factor, not just because of what God has given to me, but because actually I want to please God. My giving should be a, uh, an outpouring of my relationship with Father God. I want to please him with the things that I do. I want to please him with my worship. I want to please him with my relationships. I also want to please him with my finances. I want to please him with the things that he has given me. What might that look like? How does pleasing God look like in my day-to-day living? I want God, first of all, to be glorified. In my finances, I want God to be glorified. God is glorified when we give, give from the right motives. 
If I'm giving from the right motives, that glorifies God. I want my heart to be right before God. As I just said, where your treasure is there, your heart will also be. Your heart follows your treasure. I want my heart to be right with God. I want God to be my master. Another verse that we often quote when it comes to money, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You cannot have God and money as your masters. Generous giving loosens the grip that we have on our finances. And we say, God, it's yours. I don't want to be served by money. I want to serve God. I want my life to be used by God. God could not, God could, sorry, have chosen to to work apart from us. He could have done all sorts of things in order to make himself known, brought down the angels. He could have had trumpets and fanfares, but he chooses to use us. And it takes money to make that happen. We live in a material world, as Madonna said. (coughs) And so money makes the world go round. It's not that we allow money to serve, uh, to be our, uh, to be, uh, we, it's not that we allow ourselves to uh, be the servant of money, but we have to make sure that actually God is using us and God uses the resources that he has given us. And so money is part of that, that we come and say, God, I want you to use me. Here's everything, including my bank account, including my finances. I want to be used by God. I want to lay up treasures in heaven. There's no more sand investment than reaching people with the good news of Christ. And so we have to invest in the things that we do as outreach. I also want my faith to grow. This, this kind of link between Malachi 3 and this idea of kind of testing God, it's, there's still an undercurrent of that in our understanding and relationship with God. He will build our faith as we give to him, as we give generously, that actually our, our, our giving is at times costly. And so actually, as I say, God, I'm going to have the faith in you, is that as I give here, that God, you will bless and provide here. That actually as I give to you, God, it's an act of faith, an act of trust that in my relationship with you, you have everything and you'll continue to give to me abundantly. And I want to be a compassionate person. You know, giving particularly into the church, but also just our general giving, it can be something that is used to bless other people. I want to be a compassionate person. You know, it's, it is absolutely impossible in this day and age to, to give everybody everything that they need out of the resources that we come in. We know God has provided everything and actually in, a, uh, in his perfect plan, in his perfect kingdom, nobody would lack anything. However, we live in a fallen world. And we know we've been through a whole number of years of really difficult times and and the whole kind of credit crunch and then also just kind of the lack of of things and and inflation and price rises. And there were so many in need and we would love to be able to help everybody who we come across. But sometimes we have to say, God, I'm just going to give what I've got and I have to trust you to do more. But I want to be compassionate with my giving. I want to be a worshipper of God as well. You know, giving is a sacrifice that pleases God. 
King David, he knew the connection between worship and giving. He says this in 2 Samuel 24, 24. I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord. I will not present my offering to the Lord that have cost me nothing. If it's convenient, it's not worship. Worship should be costly. We should feel it in some way, should have an impact on us. And that applies not just in our finances, across all of our worship. You know, if you sit in church comfortably on a Sunday morning and you sang, sang some songs that you're familiar with you and you've not really had to interact them, you've just been a kind of a passive passerby, that's not really worship because it's not cost you anything. It's not involved you giving more than just being here. And our finances are the same. Our, our, our offerings should be something that is costly to us, that we notice it. Because that way it builds our faith as well. My giving should be fully and completely tied up with my loving relationship with Father God. That's the why. That's the why I should give. I should give because actually out of the abundance of everything that God has given me, I want to give something back. I want to give something back. What can I give? For some, that will be a whole variety of different ways of kind of service in the church or, or serving in the community. For some, it will be the time they can give. It will be the compassion that they give. But, and so for some, there'll be a particular calling because of, of what God has blessed you with that you can give abundantly. But all of us have the capacity to give something of what God has given us in order to say, God, I just want to give, show a little bit back to you. God, help us to be motivated to give. How then? How then should I give? God, if the motivation is because of everything that you've done for me, what should that look like? If I'm trying to give generously as a response to God's generous and unmerited grace to me, how can I respond in a way which is also honouring to him? Now, as much as I've kind of talked about tithing as an Old Testament thing, the, as I said, the, the great thing is that actually across the whole of Scripture, there are clear guidelines for us to understand our relationship with money and, and how we are to handle it. And Paul, while he never talks about tithing, he talks quite a lot about giving and our offerings in the New Testament. So there's a couple of passages that uh, I hope are going to just come up on the screen that we're just going to put out a few ideas, of practical ideas of, of things that will shape our giving. Firstly, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes this to the Corinthians. He says, Now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. And then again in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, he says this to the Corinthians. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So I, I pick out, there are three particular ways I would just want to pull out this morning of, of how we can give. First of all, I want us to see that our giving should be planned. 
Paul was telling the, the church in Corinth to, to, get their, to get ready for the offering before he arrives. It wasn't at that moment where they, Paul suddenly arrives think, right, actually, what have I got in my pocket? What have I got in my tuning that I, that I can give? Exactly this, as I said earlier, sometimes, and, and I know, and I, I've been there, you know, there is suddenly, oh, there's an offering and I forgot to either um, go to the, the, the ATM or, or, get man, or pick up some change I've got in the side and, and I've only got this, you know, 10 pence in my pocket, that's what I give. Or others, it'll be a case of, I've only got this 10 pound in my pocket, can I get five pound change? But we don't come planned, we don't plan our offering. It's the fact that actually if we are, if we are understanding what Paul is saying here, that we are planning in advance what we are going to give. It's an important principle. It actually establishes something of the, the discipline of giving into, ch- into church. It, sh- it, sh- it demonstrates a way of we are honouring God with our giving. Just giving when we feel like it probably leads to less and less commitment because we just forget over time. In response to what God has done for us, it's down to each of us to work out how that's going to look. Now, obviously, if you are, if you are the, the sole breadwinner or if you're, you're single and just you are in charge of your bank account, that's for you to sit down with God and say, God, what is it that I should be doing? How should I be giving? If you're married, if you're sharing bank accounts, then, then it's a case of let's sit down and talk together and pray together. God, help us to plan our giving. We absolutely have complete freedom in how we give, how much we give and how often. But in all areas of life, actually having some kind of discipline and planning in it is going to be beneficial to us in the long term. And it helps us to, to be accountable, not only within our church family, particularly if we are committed as, a, as part of that church family. It helps us be accountable before God. And it actually helps those people that you are giving to, whether that is into a local church or whether that's other power ministries and and missionaries and things that are going on around the world. Actually, if it's planned and it's regular, it helps them to make planning about actually how they're going to budget for things as well. Graham, I'm sure, loves the people who set up standing orders and direct debits. They are his favourite people. He doesn't have favourites, really, but they're his favourite people. Because it actually helps manage things like the direct debits that are going out, the salaries that need to be paid. It means that there's a a, a clear indicator of this person has planned to give something into the church. So our offerings need to be planned. But then it also needs to be proportional. There we go, got it out. It needs to be planned, it needs to be proportional. So we don't hold on to necessarily a tithe, although, again, if, if a tenth is what you want to bring in, then that's absolutely fine. This is before you and before God. A tenth might be a stretch for some of you, and it might be just the starting point that you want to be at. But as, as New Testament Christians, as believers today, I absolutely believe that God calls us to do more than just the bare minimum. You know, the 10% in the Old Testament was the legal requirement. I've ticked the box. And we can potentially carry that over. But actually, you know, I think that there is a, um, there's still that element. If I've given 10%, I can tick a box. I don't have to worry about or think about what I'm giving to God in my finances anymore. 
I've done it, I've set up a standing order and it's done and I can move on. And I don't believe that actually is the principle of giving in the New Testament, that actually it's planned, it's proportional, but we think about it. That planning means that I have to think about what I'm doing with my money. Now I've set up, we set up standing orders uh, and that's absolutely fine. We do that, that helps us to give. um, But then every now and then we have to think, actually is that standing order still covering our income? Are there, is it a, the fact that actually that, that standing order is, is the money that is going into the church and what else are we giving outside of church that actually uh, constitutes something over and above what we give into church? And some of you might need to actually take some time to think, actually, God, I've not really thought about what I've been giving over these last six months, 12 months, 18 months, two years. I've had a pay rise or my circumstances have changed. Perhaps I need to look back again and think, what is it that I need to bring into the offering that is a blessing to God and a blessing to what he's doing? What is it I need to do to to change my heart so that I'm giving something back of everything that God has given to me? It's proportional. You know, you will often hear these stories, you know, somebody um, who gets by maybe on £20,000 a year and they tithe that, maybe they tithe on their their gross income. So they're living off £18,000 a year and they're doing quite well with that. Somebody else earns £100,000 a year. They could give give 10% of that. They're living off £90,000. But if one person can live off £18,000, why can't the other person and perhaps they need to be giving £82,000 into the offering. Now again it's about you and God, absolutely about you and God. For some of you you'll look at your finances and say God I, I, I really can't see how I can give more and God might be that's okay. God will speak to you and say, I know you're giving it enough. There'll be times I might ask you to dip into your pocket and maybe give more for an occasion, for a one-off. But others this morning, they'll be like, actually, do you know what? I've, not, I've never even considered what I'm giving into the church. I've never even considered what my offering should be. Or maybe you're a place where you've done that thinking and then you just put it down, you've forgotten about it. And now it's a time to then think about do I need to revisit this and bring it back into a place where I'm walking as a disciple, bringing everything that I can into God's house? It needs to be proportional. It needs to be planned. But then lastly, as we come into a close, it needs to be personal. Personal, it needs to be willing and cheerful. As God moves in our hearts to be givers, he wants us to be faithful givers of everything that he's given us. He wants us to be faithful stewards of the resources he's given But probably one of the biggest things about that is about our attitude to what he's given us. It's about our attitude to what he has given us. Paul says it quite clearly in 2 Corinthians 9. We just read it. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So it's about personal, about what each of you decide to give. It's not about me or James or anybody else or Graham or any of us kind of putting pressure on you to give a certain amount. It's about you personally before God saying, God, how do I honour you? How do I steward correctly what you have given me? Not reluctantly, under pressure, but instead cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. You know, this word, cheerful that we've got here is the Greek word uh, hilaros, 
which is where we get our word hilarious from. I must admit, as I was standing here this morning taking offerings, I didn't see many of you giving hilariously into the offering buckets this morning. Now, the Greek word, it doesn't, it doesn't have all the connotations of hilarity that we have in our English language, but it still takes hold of that thing of actually uh, of being a cheerful giver. It's not that I expect dancing down to the offering buckets. It's not that I expect a, a whoop whoop in our kind of uh, our, our offering, but actually having a heart and attitude that says, God, I know you can do more with this than I can. Of saying, God, I want to give this to you cheerfully because actually with me, I'm going to hold the resource back and you can do so much more. And I want to see you blessed. God, I want to be around to see what you can do with the richness of the poverty that I can bring. Out of the little that I can bring, I know there's going to be a richness that comes from it. And so I am eager and excited about what can come out of the offering that I can bring, as small as it might be. God wants us to be cheerful in our giving. For us to personally come before God and say, God, I will give what you ask me to do. I'll give as much as I, as much as I really can and more until I know that I'm pleasing you. But God, help me. And sometimes we need to pray for this because sometimes we can really struggle to be cheerful in our giving or even willing in our giving. You know how it is, you know, we do this when we play Monopoly. You land on somebody's property and they've got hotels, and you count out the money, and you offer it out to them, and then they take it, but you don't let go. You can't quite let go, and they almost have to snatch it out of your hand. But we don't want to be those kind of givers. We want to be give, willing givers. So God, just have it. Have it. Take it. Cheerfully giving. You know, in this in this church here, I, I hope and I pray, I know that there are times when I'll ask Graham to come up and, and to kind of talk about gift aids and other things. And it's not that we want to avoid talking about money. We want to be honest about it. But I hope that we never put pressure on you or, or we kind of stir things up to be manipulative about the money that we expect people to give. Because it's about you and your relationship with God. And it's about your money and your attitude to giving. And it's about this discipleship thing that we, this, this journey we are on together. My walk with God. You know, if I'm giving God uh, my time when I'm stopping for him, if I'm giving God my worship when I'm, I'm laying uh, an, an offering, pouring out offering on his feet, then it also has to be, God, I'm giving you my money. I'm giving you access to my money. Because again, it's your money, not mine. And I love that little phrase about, God, how much of your money can I give to you rather than of how much my Sorry, how much of your money can, uh, do I need for myself rather than actually how much of my money I'm giving to you? So my prayer this morning is that, that we understand that actually, you know, money is needed. Money needs to be talked about. We obviously have bills. We have salaries. There are things that we might want to do, projects that we might want to do. And there'll be times where we might, as a church, talk about specific things that we would love to give to. I know last year we talked about uh, things like coffee and having a little kind of um, donations to, to, to help manage the, the cost of the coffee. We have our community meals where we reach out to community and obviously that's cost. And there'll be some times where we'll say, can, if you can, can we just have a special offering for that? A few weeks back, we had a special offering for our limitless, the, the youth, so they can go off and be invested in, our, our, we can invest in our young people. There were times when we do specific offerings for specific things. But the rest of the time, you know, we just have the general upkeep of church buildings. 
of salaries, of, uh, of, of heating bills and utilities. But also not just here, it's about wanting to invest. I talked about Mark Greenwood coming and looking at evangelism. And obviously we want to not just invest here, we want to invest out there. We want the, what comes into the storehouse to, pr- to produce fruit out in the kingdom uh, that is around us. And so we need to understand that actually what we give is used by God to further his kingdom. Some of that is just in the basics of maintain, maintaining the, the property that we have. But my prayer is that we invest in order to increase God's kingdom. So I'm just going to pray as we end and, and just, just remind you that actually, you know, as you go from here, make sure you're planning your, your, your giving. Make sure that you are proportional and thinking about, God, how much do I need to give? But also you recognise this is a personal part of your walk with him that comes out of the why, because everything God has done for us. God, what can I give back to you? So let's just pray as we come to end this morning. Father God, I, my prayer, for me personally, but Father God, over us as your people here this morning as well. Father God, is that we understand what it means to give everything of ourselves to you. We give you our life. We give you our dreams, our ambitions. We give you our families. We give you our relationships. Father God, we give you our worship. And this morning, Father God, my prayer is that we understand what that means to then also give you our finances. Help us, Father God, to not just pack this into a little box and say, that's fine, I've, I've heard that. But Father God, I pray that we will move on from this place and just allow our hearts to be, uh, to be drawn to you. That Father God, is, as that quote says, we stop, we pause, we allow ourselves to be refreshed or to uh, allow ourselves to, to deepen in our relationship with you. And Father God, we, today we just submit our finances to you, our money to you and say, God, have your way. God, speak to us, challenge us. May our offering be sacrificial to you. And Father God, as we give to you, we thank you for all those promises that come of how you richly bless us. That Father God, all good things come from you. And that Father God, we can, we can trust in you to be our provider for everything that we need. Increase our faith as we give back to you. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.